Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. Uh, long weekend, a lot of games. Uh, just want to start off with a pet peeve, and then Russ has got a, uh, a pre-show thing. Um, when you go someplace and there's an employee at that place, you expect that employee to actually know what the hell they're talking about. So when you go to a, a, a local supermarket, and I know it's 15 go degrees. And go, uh, up, we got the, got the replay going on. Okay. Uh, and you've got the uh, and remember it's 15 degrees Fahrenheit here, but uh, in my place, my ice maker is broken, so I'm I'm the only person in the world who's buying ice when it's ice cold outside. But um, <laughs> they sell small bags of ice, and they sell these monster like 25 pound bags of ice. And it's easier to just manage the small bags of ice, buy three or four of them. It's mm-hmm. the same price. What the hell? So. In the ice cooler, all they have is this monstrous bag of ice. And some lady who I think is like the equivalent of a senior citizen greeter at Walmart is sitting there. And I'm like, where are the small bags of ice? Oh, they're in the frozen food section. Just walk around. You'll find them. I waste 10 minutes walking around, cannot find the bag. And I ask somebody else and they're like, oh, no, the only ice the only ice uh, cooler is the one in front of the the one that I was at before. So this lady p- p- puts me on this goose wild goose chase for, chase for ten minutes for uh, seven pound bags of ice that don't exist. Thank you. Um, I have my local McDonald's sells ice. Don't ask me why, but one day about a month ago, I drove through there and got something, and and they said you could buy ice from them. Yeah, well, our local McDonald's has started selling donuts, donut sticks. I mean, okay, everything, every, you know, I, I've, you know, everything like McDonald's is not McDonald's going to sell pizza next. I mean, what, what, anyway, go, go ahead, Russ. All right, so, uh, guess a moment of sadness here. Uh, Luke Perry died. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and so yeah, natural causes. Well, yeah, no, I mean, he had a massive stroke over the weekend. Wow. And, and he just never really came out of it, from what I understand. And poor guy. I mean, you know, we all, I, I watch 90210. I admit it, it's fine. <laughs> and I even did watch Riverdale a little bit for the first couple seasons. Then I started fading on that. So I, but, you know, listen, Luke Perry had his, had his time and he, uh, he's, Obviously, a known actor. He was pretty popular for a while. He would grace magazines. Fifty-two years old, like it really, you know, that's that's rough. I mean, I'm fifty-one. That makes me feel that that scares me. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? The the funny thing is, I was flipping through the channels, and on one of the news stations, there was like a a, a, a like a, a video snippet of like nine oh. 90210 and i'm like okay what's that for and didn't put two and two together until you just said that i'm like wow that's that's sad now the odd thing is is they're doing a reboot of the series with all the original actors but he never signed on yeah so jason Priestley is going to be in it jason Priestley will be in it they'll all be in it gabrielle carteris i saw the they they pretty much have everybody and they had everybody but luke perry and now of course 
that'll never happen. So anyhow, we, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's, and we're going to talk about Ted Lindsay later in, in the show, but I also saw a tweet, uh, from Ryan Reynolds, uh, over the weekend that yesterday was the 25th anniversary of John Candy's passing yeah, yeah. and he had a really nice like two minute snippet of of some of the scenes from some very notable movies and i was like god it doesn't seem that long ago i mean you know it's... it doesn't we we all love john candy we've talked about it on this show i i did put up a post on fungosports.com about it because he did um he managed to to do a couple of hockey things you know he was in canadian bacon mm. and in that movie he was sitting in the crowd ripping the national anthem. He didn't like the Canadian national anthem. He didn't like the flag, said it looked like a pot leaf. He was just like a real malcontent, just wanted the hockey game to start. But it was a pretty funny, uh pretty I, funny moment or two there for that. I had never seen this 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 skit from SCTV, and it's just one that I missed. But there was one where I think it was Joe Flaherty was playing Guy Lafleur and John Candy was playing Daryl Sittler. Oh no, I didn't see that either. No, I, I can't recall that. And one. they were doing and they were doing some sort of commercial and uh and you know they would they kept screwing it up and I think in the end that they ended up in a fight or something like that. It was it was really it was really good. I mean I'll I'll see if I can find the link and post it, but it was yeah, yeah like we've talked about the old 96er, we all love that. Um <laughs> oh the great outdoors is an all-time classic. You've heard movie. I don't know if the whole movie is a classic, there were good moments in it. <laughs> Yeah, the, there was. I mean, under underrated movie. I mean, that there's the, a classic the, '80s movie. Yes. Like that's the jet, the, there's a thousand of them like it. It's just jets, it's got great jets, John Candy interaction with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. The jet ski scene with um, kiss with, my uh, wake. <laughs> <laughs> he did also on SCTV. There was that movie, a Canadian movie called Face Off, and they did a yeah. um, a spoof about it on SCTV. It was pretty funny actually, and he. He's he's knocking over like little kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? We the world needs more Johnny Larue. It's uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hello, hockey world. Today is Monday, March fourth, twenty nineteen. I'm Peter Tessier up, and uh, now honestly, spring is about to hit balmy Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russ going from Portology. Yeah, it's about forty five here. Not bad. It might be and minus like... four here on Thursday. Sorry, Ooh. Mike. Ow. And I'm Michael Agello in the frozen tundra known as Chicktawaga, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, we'll touch. Maybe this will make us feel warm by saying the words Boca Raton, Florida. But the uh, but the uh, NHL uh, hierarchy uh, is meeting in that warm and wonderful Florida city. And playing uh, golf. And playing golf and Dark sport having, fishing. I'm sure having a few sea breezes or whatever, you know, it's like that's got no, 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 Mike, that's a girl's drink. They're not having those. Oh, is okay. Then, uh, then, uh, you know, yeah, they, they're having more manly. Shiv us on the rocks or something. Shiv us on the rocks as possible. Jameson. Okay. Anyway, um, there, this is the meeting where they usually ponder rule changes for the following year. And, I have to say, you know, looking at Pierre LeBrun's piece in the Athletic and seeing what they what they could potentially be addressing, uh, the NHL is falling very very short because there are things I think need addressing that it doesn't seem like they're going to address. Now, this is according to Pierre LeBrun, they're going to look at putting clocks in the corner boards, right? 
changing how penalties are awarded during three-on-three overtime, meaning a one-minute penalty in three-on-three overtime instead of a full two-minute minor, uh, changing regulate the, the tiebreaker from regulation and overtime victories to just regulation victories, mm-hmm. um, and then also, also uh, some updates on the expansion in Seattle and um, – According to this, signing signing KHL players to future NHL contracts. I'm not sure what where, where that's going. I know that there is no um, transfer agreement between the two leagues. So right now, right now, a player like Kaprizov with Minnesota. I mean, I I thought it was four years, but they could hold on to him. It's longer. it's longer. They can hold yeah. on to them almost in, per, in, per, in perpetuity yeah. and and not and and not have to worry. But um, okay. I, I think the two things that need to be addressed, and we saw examples again over the last few days, is the offside and video review. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't care what you think about that. Though. I know, I know that they don't care, but I'm going to keep saying it because they should care because it's a friggin' travesty. I think, I mean, one, Mike. I think just to, I agree to wholeheartedly. I don't want to jump I on this. Too. Is, is I think you have to frame this in the idea of what fan experience is. Yeah. And this is where they may love it from a from a technical point of view, but the fan experience of the offside rule and how this fits mm-hmm. is is there. And I think the first thing that should sorry, I'm interrupting you. You go ahead. No, well, no, and th- th- this is the thing about the offside. Right now, the main problem with the offside video review now that they put the little lipstick cameras on the blue line is determining whether the player's skate is on the ice or not. We saw an example of this on Thursday in the Islanders-Toronto game where Zach Hyman tied the game. Um, His skate was just off the ice. But if they were playing it like the NFL or like tennis where it's the plane or a line, then then it would have been onside and the goal would have counted. And I'm for anything that adds more goals so taking it away for i mean if you if you break the plane i and i think it's easier to determine than the skate you all say that and they're not doing it like it's just they don't care I'll, I'll give you one that i think is very simple and to me it makes sense take out the trapezoid for the goalie now because you can't touch the goalie anyhow yeah so it's not like if the, the trapezoid wasn't no touching the goalie. The trapezoid was to start stop Marty Perko and Brodeur. I know, and I know, like a defenseman. But because I'm saying it was unfair. No, that's true. That is true. But you can't cream a goalie. So like, why give them that trapezoid where they're like you know a protected species? Get rid of well, it. Yeah, I know. We need to see more uh, Mike Smith and Connor Hellebuck going right into the corners trying to play the puck because right. that's that's entertainment right there. Yeah. No, I'm like, because that freaks me out, Russ. Like, no, I know. When goalies stray, it freaks everybody out of it. The most, da- the most dangerous thing is is a goaltender who thinks he can handle yeah. the puck. Right. I, I like really like a, give me a reason to keep the trapezoid. Uh, there's so, none. There's none, right? There's Get none. rid of it. Um, here, here, Okay. So the, the offside one is, I think, Mike, you got an idea with the plane. There's goal line technology and Premier League soccer that allows people to figure it out. Yes. Buy it, license it, pay for it, do the plane, break the plane, whatever that means. And let's let's do that. I think um, if if there is a part of the body that is hovering over the blue line, 
that's fine. You're on side. Like you, if you drag your foot and it's in the air, you don't have to be on the ground. Like yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Like you know figure, what I think? figure something out that stops these insane challenges that sometimes come after the whistle or make it so that if you're going to challenge it, you think long and hard and that you have to challenge it before the whistle's blowing. Yeah. You got to know right then. Yeah. Like one way or another, not this, oh, we'll sit about it, think, oh, what's the little iPad say? Oh, it says we should challenge it. What's the guy upstairs say? No, make your make your group of guys watching the game put their 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 necks need to be on the line for wasting everyone's time and ruining the, the fan experience. All right, I have two nonsensical ones. Sorry, are we done with offsides or not yet? Well, I was just going to say, you know what I think the problem is and the reason why they're not doing it? Because you have all these multi, multi-purpose multi arenas where they're taking down the boards and they're you know getting ready for NBA games and then resetting it up for hockey games the following day. And you probably have to line up all these like different like laser or whatever to, to, cre- to create a, a plane that can determine whether a player is offside or not. In this yeah. instance, all they have to do is look at the video and determine whether a skate is off the ice or not. But it's not that easy. The, you know, it's unless you have cameras that are right up there, you can't tell whether a guy is, you know, toe picked at the at the blue line and he's and he's his foot is down or whether it's just above. And that, and that's the thing. It's like when a guy is striding toward the net and his leg is on you know, mem- remember Back in the day when there wasn't video review, if the guy stuck his leg back there and his leg was over the blue line, they called it onside. Yeah. So anyway, okay, go ahead, Russ, with the other ones. I did. The nonsensical one is, did you ever play knock hockey? Mm-mm. Okay. So yeah, knock hockey. hockey was, yeah, knock hockey was like this this hockey game where you, you had wooden sticks and there was a goal and, and there was a wooden puck and basically looked like a hockey thing. You, a rink, you could use your stick, you try and – slap it, whatever you can do to get it a goal. But what you'd have to do it for a face-off was you'd have to put the puck in the middle and you you would touch your sticks three times. you go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two, three, and then the third time, go get the stick. I think that's better than the way they drop the puck now because I, I see. I agree. Ridiculous. I I agree that now, and yeah, we did that for road hockey or street yeah, hockey. Okay. It's like, you know, one, two, three, yeah. and, like, oh, and yeah. then, and then, and and the, and the, and the linesman would be there only to determine whether the faceoff was fair. He Correct. doesn't have to drop it. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's Correct. like, yeah. they've just gotten dumb now. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for that because you, you don't, you don't know when that, when the referee or when the uh, linesman drops the puck, whether it's dead center, and it would be dead center. Every time when they every time, so yeah, I I I agree. Either that, or you uh, have one drop from the uh, from the from the scoreboard, like in oh, uh, like bubble US. hockey. Yeah, that was my second. That time. actually yeah. would be freaking hilarious. I thought about that too. I would like that too, but I think the problem is like watching the puck bounce. You, you know what the the crazy thing is 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 with the, the, the you call it knock hockey, and the and Mike said, "Well, I didn't understand right. what you meant." But one, two, three is yeah, we didn't do it in road hockey, but. Yeah, road hockey. Uh, I had a we had a me and my friends we had a secret thing that we used to do because we used to be in a um in a in a ball hockey league in university and intramurals and we figured out a tricky thing to do with that that was used to drive everyone nuts. But there's no rule against it. But I'm not giving my secret away because okay. ball hockey is ball hockey is still I don't care what anyone says it is still one of the most important 
cultural aspects of growing up in Canada. And yeah. and I remember when rollerblades came in. We call it street hockey, but it's yeah. street hockey, road hockey, whatever. Car. Um, it, you know, it's the the fact is is as soon as rollerblades came in and everyone wanted to go to the lacrosse rinks and do yeah. that, it just changed the whole thing. Yeah. There was something intrinsic about being able for all the kids who, you know, or places where you didn't have rinks everywhere like Vancouver, you could run. Everyone could run. I, I got a quick I got a quick story. So you know how everybody has like a block party in the summer. I got mm -hmm. invited to like my best friend's block party back on like the old neighborhood on Long Island. So I went to that, right? And kids were playing street hockey and and no parents were playing. Like none. They were all just sitting around slugging beer, eating hot dogs. I went and grabbed a stick and played, right? And I was like Blake Wheeler. I probably scored like four goals. You know, like my my wheel, my wind was good, and and I had a lot of fun. There was no checking, you know, it was nothing like that. I wasn't pulling a John Candy, but the kids respected me because it was like, damn, this guy still likes to play street hockey, and he's pretty good. And all these other parents were just like sitting around, like you know, comatose. And I had a great time, and I wish more people did it. Yeah. I, I think what I think what ruined street what ruined like street hockey because I I mean when I was a kid when I was a kid in my in my early teens you know me and a bunch of friends who I'm still friends with to this day we we would play street hockey and luckily they lived on a street that was away from the traffic so we had very few interruptions when it came to you know car yeah. um but like the the games that we 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 had a, a series that went on for a while where it was three guys versus three guys the other team didn't have a goaltender so they had like a two garbage cans with a low <laughs> stick that was that was their goal and I was the goaltender on the other team and I what was better the garbage can or you no, I was much better. I was like, I, I, <laughs> I, I was the Terry Sawcheck of street hockey. Okay. I didn't wear, I didn't wear a mask either because I was a throwback. But, but yeah, but, but that, but that, you know, that that was great. And then you, all of a sudden, you had these like floor hockey leagues and you know, businesses that would set up floor hockey leagues, and it sort of took away. And like, this is later on when I was like in my we early twenties. We did have floor hockey in gym, and one year they outlawed it because we used to use a plastic puck. And you would play it against like the gym, you know, the pullout stands, and that would be the goal, right? There would be like a painted yeah. area, and I, kids were getting hurt in that, so they stopped it. We also later, just about when I was done with street hockey, there was deck hockey, and so deck hockey became a thing. And so it was funny because I have an older brother, and he invited me to work out with his deck hockey team. So I went and played a game because they were short players. I scored a hat trick. He never asked me to play again. I was, better, I was better than everybody on his team, and he didn't ask me to ever, ever, ever play again. It was so funny. You know, I can distinctly remember the demise of street hockey, road hockey, and everything. It basically happened when NHL 94 took off. Yeah. And I guess there's a direct correlation yeah. between. Yeah. Then don't go outside now. It's yeah, cold exactly. out there. Just play. Yeah, no. Last last thing. Sixth grade, we had they had an assembly, and the assembly was the championship of the of the phys ed floor hockey league. Our team versus another team. We were first and second place. And remember, I, being from Buffalo, like I was, I wasn't good enough offensively. I was playing defense. I'm, normally, I played goal, but somebody else wanted to play goal, so I decided I was going to block every shot that came. And I, it was, it was on a gym floor, so it wasn't like sliding on 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 the street. 
I was basically like Jim Schoenfeld. I blocked as many shots to the point to the point that people were getting pissed off that I was blocking every shot because they wanted to see people score goals. And I'm like, I'm not letting you score. But anyway, all right. Um, let's go to the let's go to the standings here uh, in the Eastern and Western Conference. Let's start in the East. Uh, Tampa Bay, of course, running away with it. And like, I, like I've said on a few things, I think the only thing Tampa Bay's got to worry about right now is injury and complacency. They, they you know, they're they're going to win the President's Trophy. They're, uh, I think, 15 points up on Calgary, so it's it's a fait accompli. Even if they go 500 in the in the next uh, in the last 17 or uh, 16 games in their in their uh, instance, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be first overall. Um, the race in the in the Atlantic is uh, Boston and Toronto for second place. Boston at 87 points, Toronto at 84. Um, Russ, Boston since the All Star break has not lost a game in regulation. They're 12 0 and 4. Yeah, they're on a roll. They've got no yeah. real contribution from Charlie Coyle either, and it really doesn't matter because they're a well oiled machine. Uh, look, tonight even without Pasternak. Even without Pasternak, tonight's game, like for the Leafs, they're going to get shellacked by Calgary. They are. That game, that wouldn't shock me if that game goes like 5-2, 4-2. Wouldn't shock me. Well, I mean. Well, I, don't, yeah. I don't think they can catch Boston is my point. I don't think they will. Well, and I, and I wrote about this today, Peter. It's like right now each team has got 17 games left. Each has basically the same breakdown home and away, same strength of schedule. Um the difference is that Boston has got a three-game homestand this week. Toronto's uh, Western Canada road swing, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. If the Leafs can stay within three points after that, Boston only plays four of their final 14 games <laughs> at home, and yeah. Toronto, Toronto is split seven and seven. That gives them a little bit of an advantage. But if Boston keeps playing the way they're playing, they're not catching them, period. No, no they're not. And And <sighs> – yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just another one of those weird things with with how the how the conferences and the playoff format aligns, and and well, maybe and maybe it's not the most interesting thing um, from a standpoint of we want to see more diversity happen with how these matchups happen, but if you're just there for the hockey. And you're not worried about so much the outcome. You, you you're just hoping let it stay because the war of attrition will just it it started it started in freaking July already. <laughs> like I mean you know and it's just waiting yeah. to see if it unfolds, and it will just be nasty. Well, and that that was, I think, that I think was that's the best part of it. And but the sad point is is I'd rather these guys see each other when the stakes were a little higher, not just the first round, but like maybe the, the you know, the, the quarterfinal or the, or the, or the conference final, because if that were to happen, I mean, can you imagine? Oh, sure. It'd be, it'd be amazing, but unfortunately low at that point. And that's well, what that, robs fans of something is the intensity that happens as you move into the rounds, right? Well, that, that, was, that, that was the reason why, and I left it out of the, the discussion about the, the Board of Governors, that the, the one that I want more than anything, because I think, you know, it's now getting a bit stale, is the go, going back to, say, you know, having each division winner be 1-2, and then having, you know, 3-8 through eight con as conference. Yeah. 
uh, for, for the playoffs. Cause I mean, it would be different. I think right now, if, if it ended that way right now, I'm just looking. Oh, I see what you're saying. Reseed three through eight based on their finish yes, on their yeah. points. I think that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Give the I mean, Make it mean something to winning your division. Right. Right. So in, the, and so, I mean, just talking in the West. So when, so say everything stays the same, Winnipeg and Calgary, Calgary's one, Winnipeg's two, right. and then you reseed based on that. So you'd go San Jose, Nashville, Vegas, St. Louis, Dallas, Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, that it, could be super interesting. And in, in the East Tampa, Tampa and Washington would be one, two, then it would be Boston three, Toronto four, Islanders five would be Leafs versus yeah. Islanders in the first round. Yeah, tell me that wouldn't be interesting, folks. It would be awesome. Yeah. And, so, and, and and the potential for the next rounds. I, that, okay, so lock that one down. I'm all on board with that idea. Reseed three through eight. But apparently, apparently, it's a it's a non-starter for the NHL really? because they they love they love the first of all they love the um the the division division teams having four games they can plan around that and they 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 love like knowing you know basically you know the travel being fairly short when it comes to the playoffs and i'm like okay but it's not that's not always the case i mean you could have calgary versus vegas or san jose ver, i mean san jose versus vegas isn't that bad but if it's calgary versus vegas that's not exactly a short flight so i mean no. travel travel concerns be damned we used to have first round matchups between toronto or between philadelphia and vancouver and buffalo and uh well, minnesota in, in the first round in the 80s what if, what if like yeah I mean, what if it was Winnipeg who Calgary falters and Winnipeg wins the West, and and it's Air, Minnesota falls out and it's Arizona. I mean, you you haven't eliminated it yet, and there's still plenty of disparity, right. um, in, in, in particularly in the West. Like that issue is way more at play in the West right. than it does in the East. But I I like the idea of reseeding underneath because then instead of sitting back and worrying about you know worrying about okay well. I can't get number one. No one's catching Tampa, right? But right. you can. You you've got to be able to focus your players. Like we want to go this route, so it's really important that we get these points. Like, mm -hmm. and, and for fans to engage in that because that gives them variables. A team gets hot. Like look at look at like you know now you consider St. Louis. Well, imagine where people are thinking they're going to be in terms of who they play. Like Winnipeg doesn't want to play St. Louis or sorry, Winnipeg doesn't want to play Minnesota in the first round. They haven't won against them all year. Right. Right. Like, and there's all those variables. And if you take that chance from happening or you allow it to happen, it's going to make the fan interest. And again, think of the fans, NHL, think of who, who buys your product and, and, and who are these fans that are going, giving them the message of this is okay. Cause we need to find them and draw and quarter them. Yeah. But again, you know, I go back to when they did this Rangers played flyers, they hadn't played in 20 years. And it was a big deal and it was a good series. So people were thrilled about it. It's the same thing as like the shootout. None of us really minded it at the beginning. And now over time we hate it. Yeah, so, but, the, but the thing, with I don't, the, yeah, the thing with the, hate the shootout, Peter, come on. The, the thing I hate the, the shootout because it ends three on three. I'd rather just finish it in three on three. Right. Until they die. Like John Tortorella said. Yeah. 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 But the thing with see the thing with the change that I like, the thing that if they went back to the top two seeds being the division winners, is it doesn't rule out the possibility of an interdivision match like 
Boston, Toronto. It could happen if yeah. it just falls that way. But it also includes, you know, it gives it gives uh, you know what po- the amount of points that you earn during the year actual meaning because mm-hmm. you know you you could be locked in third place like Vegas is. Uh, in in the in the Pacific, and they're stuck there. I mean, if they yeah. if they you know they're not going to catch San Jose. They're stuck in third. So you know they all they have to do is stay reasonably hot to not fall into the wild card, and they're stuck in third. So yeah. what what do they really have to play for the last fifteen? Here, so? here's here's my crazy idea for the day. Add one more playoff game, you know, a a playing game of sorts to the two teams in each. So it'll be two games, two teams. Yeah. In, in each conference that don't make it right. And you basically are what you're putting up in that game is your first round pick. You. Wow. Come on. You have a choice. You can play that game and get a seed into the playoffs, but you lose your first round pick if you lose, or you just leave the playoffs the way they are. And then you see if teams would be willing to, to bargain that first round. And then all you do is then you got to win the playing game, but that's, that's what you have to push to the table just to get it. Think think of this though, okay? I'm open to anything that provides more meaning to the regular season games. Well, yeah. What I did right? didn't. That was crazy. Yeah, that, that, so I'm not saying it, Russ. I think it's interesting. I mean, people talk about playing games, expanding the playoff to ten teams, all yeah. you know, different variables and stuff, right? Well, right now, as of Seattle entering the league, fifty percent of the teams will make the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> not a bad split you have to be you have to be in the top 50 percent. i mean do we water it down anymore no i'd rather i'd rather go back to the the mid the early to mid 80s when 80 percent of the league made it was 16 okay. out of oh, they yeah that was the big know. joke everybody makes so, I, I think part uh, of it is is for the 50 percent of teams that are in the play okay mike if you want to do that you have to shorten the season to 60 games mm-hmm. well i i think and, and so so if you make more money in playoff revenue, you're now you're sort of retaxing the fans in a different way and you're, you're reallocating your revenue. Players don't get paid, but they play longer in the playoffs. So, I mean, if the players, if you took off, say, let's make it 70 games. Let's just say 70 for the sake mm-hmm. of argument. Whatever percentage that is, so you take off like I think 11% of the games. Would every player take off 11% of their salary? Because you'd have to offset it because it's a gate-driven league. The amount of broadcast games, you know, you, broadcast rights holders aren't going to pay the same amount for 11% less opportunities to sell advertising, mm-hmm. right? You, you got all that economic stuff that you have to manage. But if everyone's willing to take the haircut, right, and, and recalibrate on it, I think it could. I think it it adds value to those games because you have less of them to do more. Well, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that when the new CBA comes around in a few years, that part of it is going to be some sort of play-in game because it. Batman doesn't want it, but the but the owners want it because I don't. It, do it. I got another idea for a play-in game, so you don't have to do the first-round pick this time. The playing game will be like Family Feud. Oh come on! Just and play the whole, damn game. Come on! And then this is like a TV thing. Then no, and you screw that. Up. Richard Dawson's dead, so screw him. Uh, it doesn't have no, to be Richard Dawson, Mike. There's other hosts. Okay. Uh, the Metro. Uh, the it's Capitals, just no fun. Sorry. The Capitals at 83 points lead the division. The Islanders, uh, 81 points in second place. Carolina. Oh, hold, hold on. Wait, wait. The Islanders are in second place? Are you sure? Yes, I am. I'm looking at the standings oh, right okay. now. Right. Uh, Carolina at 78 points. Uh, 
the the uh, the Islanders uh, shot their wad against the uh, against the Leafs on Thursday. They you know they they sold out. They you know. Uh, vented their spleen they cleansed their soul against the Leafs in that 6-1 victory and then in the next 72 hours they lost the probably a bigger game in terms of the standings losing to, to Washington and then we're basically a no-show I watched the second half of that oh, game yeah. against Philadelphia where were they Russ I didn't really see just destroyed them I mean it was just it was bad but again to be fair to the Islanders what were they playing like four out of five it was something everybody's wondering remember the chat room asked the question last week Mm -hmm. Why is the schedule like this? You didn't have to look any further than the TV schedule last night. You know, NBC, NBC's showing a game. NBCSN's got two games on. This is the time of the year where they want hockey on NBC. So now they flood it with games. And teams really do take it. It takes a toll on them because now they're playing a lot of back-to-back -back games and sometimes three out of four and four out of five. And why? Because it's been, there, is, there is no football. Right. There, there's, you know, their competition is the I'm NBA. For NBC anyhow, but. Right. Their competition is the NBA and they're I'm on not, ABC I'm and ESPN. They're on ABC and ESPN. Yeah. And, and baseball hasn't kicked in. Baseball doesn't start right. for another three to four weeks. So, yeah. But the thing is, Peter, like the Leafs are playing four games in six nights. The Bruins are playing four games in six nights. Yeah. At the end of this thing, these guys are shot. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and I, I don't agree with. I mean, first of all, this is one of my reasons for eliminating the All Star break. They gave they gave these teams, you know, the five day break before or after the All Star game, so they had this long break, yeah. and then they stuffed the schedule with 20, 24, 25 games in forty nine nights. It's it's stupid. Well, I mean, let's. I I agree. The Jets are the same way. It's ridiculous. I yeah. like them having the break. I, I like the idea of a, a break. But why not just make the All Star break the only break and get rid of the All Star game? No, have, <laughs> like, have, but, have, and then let's. And why do we wait till like the first week of October to start the season? Yeah. I want three, three total, not home, not away, total three exhibition games. Exhibition games. And let these guys have more time to work on the stuff that the coaches all say there's not enough time during the season. Start the game by like start the season by September 21st, and let's and, and there should be no playoff games that go past the end of May. And Russ, why do you think why do you think they don't start the season in September? What else starts in September? Football, football, yeah. college but, and pro. Yeah, yeah. but you know I mean, what? But they only show football for NBC Sunday night. It's not like it's a you know, you got Sunday, Sunday, you're ruined, but the, but you know what? In Canada, it doesn't matter. In right, the right. States, it matters for sure in certain right. markets, but the people who are foot, who are hockey fans are going to be there regardless. Yeah. It's whether you can pull people. If you think I've got to pull football fans away from football to get them to hockey, to compete with it, then you're missing the point. It's not about pulling the, the football guys. They're, they're, they're hooked. They're on the boat. They're, they're getting, they're just waiting to have their heads cut off and be gutted. They're done. They're sold. You need to find the people who haven't aligned themselves with a sport yet and are looking for something that's more affordable, has way less stoppages in play and has a high entertainment value. And they're not on, they're not in anyone's boat yet. That's who they have to find instead right. of trying to pull away. No, I agree, but the thing that I would like to see is NBC buying in earlier in the season so then we don't get this log jam at the end. 
And I think it would be better for the teams. I think it would be better for everything. But apparently that's, you know, that's not the way it is. Maybe the next TV contract, it'll change a little because the NHL will have a little bit more bargaining power. We'll see. Yeah, and there's no guarantee they're going to be on NBC, but um, wow. you know they they may be up to bidding war, and it might be like like the NBA or like Major League Baseball, where they spread the contract over a number of different you know like they could be on ESPN and NBC. It'd be like on True TV <laughs> or CNBC after Shark Tank or something like yeah. that. Um, Shark Tank, no, or or that other god awful show that Peter mentioned once. Imagine if that were a lead in for what, a beat, game. beat Bobby Flay. No, Kramer, this idiot. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Um, Kramer? Okay. What? Jim Kramer. The Jim guy Kramer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, okay. So. Um, I just, I, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I just, I, it, I, I, I posted something uh, this weekend about the storm surge and whether it has jumped the shark. And I really think it, I mean, okay, I don't, I didn't like it from the outset. I'm not Don Cherry. It doesn't piss me off. I'm not, I'm not calling them a bunch of jerks, but okay. When you're bringing out friggin' Evander Holyfield and he's doing a fake knockout of George, of uh, Martin Nuke. I mean, okay. What, what's next? I want Dale Earnhardt Jr. to ride the Zamboni and Justin Williams to wave the checkered flag, or Pete Weber doing his pelvic thrusts when he's throwing a fictitious strike. It's getting, it's getting to be like, I think it's getting overboard now. I haven't even gotten there yet, Mike. It could get, it could get a lot more overboard than that. Like, what's the difference? It's fun. You, it's not fun. You don't it's have to watch. For first thing is, you don't have to watch. You could, you could turn off the game. Second thing is, people could leave the arena if they don't like it, but they seem to like it. So why do you care so much? Because it's an embarrassment. It really is. I don't think it's an embarrassment. It's yeah. something that they've they've created that Yeah. Well, okay. All right, whatever. You know, I mean, you can't dispute that they're having success right now and they're they're riding the wave. What, what I mean, Peter say? What's Peter what do you think? Sorry, run that by me again. Well, what do you think about their their after game celebrations, the storm surge and all that? I have no problem with it. If this is what it's going to do to get fans involved and bring the team together. Look, take it out of what the 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 optics are and stuff, okay? Other sports have been doing this for years in terms of celebrations and yeah. things like that. They do it in different ways after big plays and everything like that. Yeah. If this is corporations spend millions of dollars every year trying to find ways to bring teams or groups together cohesive to find them to get them to work to pull in and something and if tom dundon and his team have figured out a way to do it by doing this to galvanize people with their fans and supporters and customers it's brilliant and in fact i'll lay money if this keeps going and they have success there are going to be other areas completely unrelated to sports are going to pick up on some of this and have ways to do this, whether it's public broad broadcast or not that bring teams together because that's how good it is. I can see it. I absolutely Russ, you think about it from when you're back in the corporate world and all the things you had to try and do to get people together. I mean, just a simple galvanizing thing at the end of a workday or, 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 or after a big moment, right? Oh. Like a successful project. That's what people live for it's true. and it feel good about what they do. And if that's making them feel good, oh, I'm in, I'm sold. Yeah, I think it's Mike, awesome. Mike, were you upset back in the day when Dave Tiger Williams rode the stick after a goal? 
No, he did that. I mean, he did that when he was in Vancouver as a as a fu to the to the Leafs. So, um, I mean, at least I, I remember him doing. Did it get you mad? Is my point? No. Okay. No, it didn't. I just I mean, think this is totally against fun. All right. No, no, but uh, you know. Anyway, um, okay. The wild card race in the East: um, Pittsburgh at seventy-seven, Montreal at seventy-seven. Concentrate on the two teams that right now are on the outside looking in. Columbus at seventy-five, who have are one and three since the deadline, not playing, not playing well. They did not play good at all against Winnipeg yesterday. You can no. see the frustration on on John Tortorella's face at the end of that game. Uh, and Philadelphia, hard charging Philadelphia at seventy-two points. Who don't who who can't seem to lose, but can't seem to really be gaining much ground because they're still five points out. I think Torts needs to take off the the underneath sweater thing. I think the warmth is is short circuiting the the energy he needs on the bench to get these guys going because he's getting heated. He's getting heated. Yeah, yeah. he's just the heat's rising, but it. He needs to he needs to be a little colder on the bench. I think I don't I don't know what it is. I they played a good game for a little while. I watched some of that game, but then they just you know little by little, Winnipeg was just steamrolling them, and it was finally they couldn't do anything about it. After a while, they just couldn't match up with them. Well, this is the one thing I was a little puzzled at. They get they get Zingle and they get Duchesne from Ottawa. Now I I don't think that they played on the same line in Ottawa, but. You know they were teammates, and I'm sure they practiced together. He's got them on separate lines in Columbus, and it's like, okay, you should put them on the same line. I mean, you figure that they're they're a little more aware of each other in terms Holmes of what they knows do. More than you, Mike. Let's let's get that first. Okay. He, yeah, sure. he knows more than all of us. That's that's you know that. Yes. <laughs> Imagine if you tried to tell him that what he would say. Uh Larry. Go after yourself. Yeah, that's right. what he basically said. Hey, no, I'll wait a second. Torts, I'm not Larry. I'll go go after yourself anyway. Um, okay. So, but uh, but Philadelphia. I mean, I mean, I Russ. I I wish Ak was on the show today so I could tell him you're still five points out. You're you've won the, the last twenty games in a row and you're still five points out. Like Lord said, hey, they're the best team since like New Year's Eve, but it hasn't gotten them anywhere. It's just they are piling up wins. They are inching closer, but it's sort of like the, the tortoise and the hare. It's like they're the tortoise. And Pittsburgh, I don't think, is relinquishing the playoff spot. I don't. They're a game in hand. They might be five points ahead, but I think they're more than that in just what they can do. So I think it's are they going to leapfrog Columbus, which is still a long shot, even though Columbus is, is tumbling a bit. And then is Montreal really going to die at this point? I don't think so. Carey Price looks awfully good. The speed on that team has been great all year. The scoring is there. Whatever. Remember what we said last year about how bad the scoring was? It's no longer a problem, or at least in the regular season, it's not a problem. So just exactly how are they getting in the playoffs? That's the They could win. They could lose two more games the rest of the year, and they still not, might not make it because these other two teams are, are really playing well. And Carolina's – even if they drop, they probably drop no further than the last playoff spot, the second wild card. Right. Now in the West, Peter, um, Winnipeg at 82 points, leading Nashville by one point, but but they have three games in hand, so that's sort of a little bit artificial. Uh, St. Louis at 74, so it looks like St. Louis pretty much, I mean, they're either locked into third or one of the two wild cards. Um, 
But talk about Winnipeg and Nashville. I mean, I I, I watched a little bit of Nashville over the weekend. Yeah. Um, how is Kevin Hayes settling in with the Jets? Uh, how are you know the the uh, the guys that they added brought in to uh, provide depth on the blue line, filling in for uh, Buffalo and uh, and uh, Morrissey? So let's start because Winnipeg and Nashville played on Friday with the Jets win that didn't look like the Jets really were going to do that as they went down two nothing early. Um, and I believe they had a goal called back on an offside too. Um, well, Wayne Simmons certainly it can he 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 understands the hate on between these two teams, and he was in full force. Um, had some good work in front on a goal for Nashville where they um, late one. I think it was the third goal when it was four or three, and uh, big screen in front, and he was jarring with Tanev. I mean, there's some video footages that he was like, "I'm coming to get you." You could see him talking like he was he was right in it. I mean, good on Simmer for doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, now I think now I think the Nashville fans are going to love that aspect of his game and, and the lead that up. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think guys like Simmons and Granlund and, and Hayes who have skill and have, have been used in certain roles aren't necessarily in, in their same roles because these are established teams. They're not really like deals to say, well, we're bringing this guy in as a free agent because we have a hole, right? They're, 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 they're accentuating it. And I think it's going to take, you know, Lavi and Maurice a little bit of time to, to sort of figure out the nuances. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Hayes so far. I think he's, Again, he's got to fit in with some things, but you know, if he can continue to use his body and 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 be a little more um, not physical, but just maintain a presence in areas where there hasn't been one for the Jets, I think he'd be really useful. Uh, the guy I've been most impressed with is um, Bolio, mm -hmm. and yeah, I want uh, he look good. He is he's his reads have been excellent. And his board work and passing has been fantastic. Um, I'm not sure. Like, you know, it's funny. I remember when Buffalo got him from Montreal and there was a lot of sort of, hey, this is this is a, a, a move to really solidify. I thought so too. I thought he would do well there. And it didn't work out there. And yeah. I don't know what the challenge is, but a few things haven't worked out in Buffalo for a lot of guys. And I'm wondering if this is an interesting chance for maybe you know, he's protected. So the Jets will be able to qualify him if they like him. Whereas right. someone like a Ben Sherratt is a UFA and yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens if he continues playing this way, because he, um, he was the key driver on the, um, on the goal that, uh, Wheeler got on his third goal. Um, he made great in Columbus last night. He's been good. And Lindholm, you know what? He probably is way more Maurice's flavor because he'll go bang his body around. Yeah, he's and, a he's a competent competent two way forward. He's not going to score. He's only got one goal, but he's a good penalty killer. He's got decent enough yeah. speed. He's yeah. I mean, he's a, you know I I think that that trade was probably beneficial for both teams because good useful well, player. Yeah, I think he's a useful player for what the Jets need. Right. And look, Nick Patan wasn't being used by the Jets. So you swap him out and stuff. You, you need, you know, you were going to need some of them like a Lindholm. They got him. And I think it's great that Patan scored in his first game with the Leafs. Um, in fact, so many people on the Winnipeg Twitter, you know, Winnipeg Jets Twitter were muting the word Patan because they knew they were just going to hear about it. Yeah. But it's awesome. And if, if something works out for both of them long term because of that deal, then that's, that's what you want for players, right? I 
I actually think Patan is going to be having is going to have more of an effect next year because I think the reason the Leafs made that trade is because he's an RFA and can be qualified for less yeah. than a million bucks. And when they're paying Marner eleven million and Matthews and Tavares is eleven million or plus eleven million plus, right. they're going they're going to need nine hundred thousand dollar forwards on the fourth line. And you know what, though, Mike, that's a smart move because you're betting that with cost controls, I'm going to get more than what I'm paying him. Right. That's that's what you have to do to find to fill in the holes is you have to get guys who will overperform based on the salary that they're earning. Right. And I think Tan falls. He's he's the right kind of risk for that. Yeah. Um, Okay. so go ahead, Russ. I was going to say we'll go ahead. We'll get to it. You go St. Louis. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, St. Louis is at 74 points right now uh, in third place in the West. You've got Dallas and Minnesota at 71 with the two wildcard spots. We'll get to the Pacific in a second. But the interesting thing there is, you know, Dallas I'm still a little fearful of. And they're staying staying with it, but – you know, you know, Bishop has been in and out of the lineup. They're not scoring as much. They lost Zuccarello. He's going to be out probably until late March um, or early April. So they're probably not going to get him to make any significant difference before the end of the season. Minnesota, Russ, you know, um, Ryan Donato has been playing really well. And they, you know, they, they lost in a shootout yesterday. Um but they're, you know, they're they're still they're hanging in. Even though they, they are, have- I mean, Kudobin was in net. I watched that game. It's interesting that they're using Fiala on the half boards. He's great on passing on the power play. Like they don't miss a beat when he is there. Uh, they got plenty of chances. This team is hanging in there. I mean, they're five, three, and two again without Dumba. You know, without Koivu, that's a pretty big deal. And Boudreau is sort of handling it perfectly where he's just sort of low-key and he's saying, look, the guys really want to win. They're doing this. It's funny because, you know, Fenton made his moves to save on the cap. Boudreaux didn't panic, right? He could have, like, fought it and sort of said, look, we're still trying to win here. And he did do it the first moment, and then he sort of let it die a little, let the moves happen. And now everything's settled in because it's not like Paul Fenton's going to complain if they make the playoffs, right? And they're right in it. I know Arizona's close, but now Arizona's got injuries. So I think I think yeah. Minnesota's looking like they're in a lot better shape than you know maybe we thought after the injuries a month ago. I didn't give up on them, but I I was questioning whether they could hang in there. I remember I said I think they will, but it, you, it's tough. But they're doing better than than I think we all thought they were. And as Russ said, Arizona's at, at 69 points with a game in hand. They're two points behind Minnesota and Dallas. Colorado lost a ba- lost had a bad loss on the weekend to Anaheim. Two they they needed they needed to win that game. They're at 68 points uh, with the same amount of games played as Minnesota, but one less than than Dallas. Uh, I still think Colorado's got a chance, but they can't lose I games do. like that. And um, you, you're you're right, Russ. Losing Stepan, which uh, yeah. Arizona did. I mean, they, they got Galchenyuk back, and then they lose yeah. Stepan. So it's, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it. It's Darcy Kemper who apparently is Darcy standing Kemper, there. you know, their goalie right now. We all thought they'd have to do it with Ranta if it was going to happen. It's Kemper. We'll see. I mean, he's going to have to put on, you know, like a Hamburglar kind of run here if he's – going to have a chance to do it now you know lucky for them minnesota's next game is again against nashville in nashville that's going to be another barn burner but you know maybe they lose that one and maybe that gives them a chance because they have a game in hand but it's going to be tough for arizona like i i don't want to say they can't because they definitely are in the in the thick of it 
but it's it's still going to be very hard. And uh, we'll take some questions in the chat in a few minutes. Chicago's dead now. At least we could finally say yeah. Chicago's dead. Chicago's dead, and Edmonton. Edmonton. If you didn't know Edmonton, you're dead. So lie down and lie down and enjoy that dirt nap. You're dead. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't say it like that, but yes, Edmonton is certainly dead. Yeah, in the Pacific, um, Calgary is three points ahead of San Jose for home ice advantage throughout the uh, Western Conference playoffs. Uh, San Jose is at 86 and Vegas is at 77. Now, Peter, San Jose is uh, shutting down Carlson for at least a week because he's got a groin problem. They're doing the same thing that the Leafs did with Jake Gardner because he had back spasms. Um, I mean, they're doing it because maybe they don't have a chance. I think they have an ch outside chance of catching Calgary, but they don't think that they have a chance of falling behind Vegas for second place. So the, it's more important for them to get Carlson, you know, a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent healthy before the playoffs so they can make a run. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't think there's any more to add there. Um, that's just the scenario they're in and, you know, nothing's going to move in that, in that Western, you know, or that sort of Pacific division simply because if something were to move significantly, something's gone off the rails for a team. Yeah. And that's basically what we're, and I'm going to bet against that every day. I don't, I think they're all three of those teams are just biding time. They want to play their games. They want to get through. They want to, they want to tweak what they can tweak if they're, if, if it's even possible, but you know, nothing's going to change. And this is all about gearing up for about, you know, a month from now. Yeah. So, and the, the only reason I question what you said about, uh, about Calgary, Russ, is that, um, on, on Saturday, Calgary lost to Minnesota 4-2, and yeah, Mike yeah. Smith gave up four goals on 23 shots. So I'm assuming that Riddich is going to play tonight. I'm pretty sure Riddich will be in there. I agree with you. Here, here's the thing, funny thing. So Don Maloney was on the uh, the Sportsnet show. By the way, I don't like their new set. I don't like it. I, I, mean, I, I just noticed it at the end of it, but it's a, little little dark. Dark. it's a little dark. It's a little dark. A little dark for television. I know it's not supposed to be just for TV. But anyhow, uh, that's just my – personal opinion. Uh, Don Maloney was on and he was talking about Elias Lindholm, how, how this kid has just fit in perfectly. Let's talk about how he's fit in perfectly. He's got 72 points. If he ends up with like 83 points. He'll have a 39 point gain from what he did last year. He's got the goal total of his previous two seasons already. Cause that's, he's got 26. He had 27. And, Talk about yeah, and they and they signed him before this season because he was an RFA. The whole point was Carolina didn't didn't want to sign him to a long term deal because they didn't think they were going to get the best bang for the buck. And I think he's making under five million, and he puts up this year. That's a grand slam home run for Calgary. That's I mean, the Lindholm and Hannafin are not is not their. I mean, they're you know Lindholm is having a great year. Goudreau and Monaghan are having great years. Matthew Kachuk has got 25 goals. Giordano's probably going to win the Norris. The yeah. only thing that the only thing that I hesitate I hesitate on when it comes to Calgary and their their path through the West is if they're if they if, you know if they get through the Pacific Division and they come up against Winnipeg or Nashville. Winnipeg and Nashville have the better goaltending. They do. 
I think I think yeah. the, of of the three t- of the three teams in in the Pacific, I think the one that has the best goaltending is is Vegas, and then right now Martin Jones has struggled, and so is yeah. Riddich and Smith. I who knows what the I, I I hesitate. The only thing that makes me hesitate about San Jose is their goaltending, and the only thing that makes me hesitate about Calgary is their goaltending. I just again I look at this trade, and we all liked it. I think even Eck liked it from the Calgary standpoint. It's just such a whopper for them because now, granted, look, Carolina's having a really good season. They look like they can make the playoffs. That's terrific. But long term, this trade is just going to be, like you said, especially signing him to that deal. Yeah. He is so affordable for the amount of points he's putting up. It's it's just crazy. And Vegas, Peter. They seem to be, you know, they were slugging along a little bit yeah, earlier. Dangerous now. Now they're dangerous. Now that they're infused with the confidence of having Stone, you got now you got this big line of Stone, Pacioretty, and and Stasny takes the heat off the guys like Marcia So and Carlson. And I saw, yeah, I saw a little bit of the game that they, they played uh, uh, this weekend where you know Marcia So and Carlson were really flying around, or Carlson. I, it, it wasn't Marcia So on that line, um, but. Uh, and Mark Andre Fleury, I think, was first or second star of the week this week. So yeah, they're exactly. getting hot at the right time, Peter. Yeah, two shutouts in a row for Fleury. He's picked it up because he was waning a little bit. He was. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, Stastny's playing well. Like that team now, you don't want to play him again in the playoffs. You just don't. I mean, I I don't you you know what it's like, Peter, for a team to run up against Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. I mean, if he gets hot, heads up. But I mean, you know what? What's interesting is is San, Vegas has to hope Flurry gets hot and plays like last year, right? And San Jose and Calgary have to hope one of their goaltenders answers the bell because neither of them got insurance, right? And that's that's the interesting conundrum about those three teams. I I think Calgary's the class. Of, of the of the three but as far as Riddich can play playoff hockey and, and get used to that intensity um that that's the thing i just like how calgary plays i think they're super interesting oh. to watch i love their talent yeah. pool and stuff it, it'll be fascinating and i'm actually really looking forward to the Leafs and calgary playing and seeing how that goes i think it'll be fascinating too um yeah. you know but man neither of them short up goaltending it's going to be going to be interesting Okay, um, Russ, we'll take a couple questions in the chat before we end the show. Okay, let's see what we got here. Yeah, and, and uh, just while, while you're looking for the questions, I, I know there was a little criticism uh, um, on Saturday about the, about Lee fans sort of giving uh, John Tavares an ovation before the game sort of to make up for the treatment that he got in New York. And some people were saying, you know, that that was sort of embarrassing. I think I think actually, I mean, not just Lee, you know, because it's Lee fans. If anybody had had the reaction that Tavares had in New York, and he comes back home, and they didn't do that, I, I think that that's one of the reasons he went there is because it was home. But I think any player who goes someplace else makes a choice like that, you know, to get treated like he did for and I for in my eyes for no good reason you should get support from your fans. So if any big free agent leaves this year and he goes back and he gets any kind of reaction like that, the fans and, and that he of the team that he went to should show some support. I think that was a good I, thing. No, it was a good thing. I agree. Um, so Evan asked earlier, 
Do the Flyers send Carter Hart down when he comes back or carry three goalies? They're going to carry three goalies. Like, you know, this is Brian Elliott's the guy right now. Like, this is the craziness of this season. So they're, they're going to have to carry three. The interesting thing is keeping Carter Hart out of Lehigh could mean them missing the playoffs. So he may not even play in any playoffs this year because Lehigh is not a guarantee for the playoffs. Now, so, did they did, did they did they flip him? Did they do the clear day thing where they sent yeah, him down? I'm sure him? they did. I'm pretty. I'm 99 sure they did. But it, you know, it, it may not be a reason to flip him because they may not have a playoff a postseason there. So, what if they go through this season, they don't make the NHL playoffs, and they don't make the AHL playoffs? Is that still a help for Carter Hart? Like I might start to argue with you at this point, then saying because a lot of times we see when guys go in the AHL and they go on a little Calder Cup run, what that could really do for them. We've talked about Carey Price. There's other. There's plenty of other you know examples. It'll be an interesting thing. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. We'll keep an eye on it. But it looks like there'll be three goalies. Yeah. Okay. Um, any more questions? Uh, hold on. I'm looking. A lot of jibber jabber. So far, no other questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. What other player? This is from Five Geeks. What other player than the top two in the first round of 2019 do you think can be a great player to play with McDavid? <laughs> Well, so, so this is an oil. This is an Euler, Euler fan planning out when they get the first or second pick. If you want to dream, if if Jack Hughes could play with Connor McDavid, there would be a lot of problems. And I, well, I, th I, I actually think it would be a better fit for them if it was Kako because he's a he would be the better fit. But yeah. if we decided, hey, first year you're going to put Hughes on the wing and let him play with McDavid, the skating that would be required to keep up with those two. Would be and, put and put Yamamoto on that line too. Right. right. But Kako would be the better fit. And and so I think, you know, if they if if they got him, like that might be the perfect fit. Yeah. Um, but by the way, they shut down Pooley RV uh for the season. He's having hip surgery. Um and uh Noah Juleson is out for the rest of the season for for Montreal. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. what the injury was there, so but they totally Sorry, goalie FP asked, Russ, question for you. Can you think of a player that was traded at the deadline that had a huge immediate impact? Uh, Doyle Alexander, the 84 Tigers. No, um, Butch Goring, Islanders. Butch Goring had an immediate impact on the Islanders, and I, that's all I want to say about that. All yes. right. Uh, <laughs> I like Butch Goring. It's all right. Uh, yeah, but that right, helmet, but, that helmet was that helmet was screwed. I, I don't I don't know what that thing was. It, I don't either. Apparently, apparently that helmet had like no no stuffing on the inside uh, of it. It was it was just like a shell. And luckily, Butch is doing okay today. I say hi to him every time he comes through. Um, Macho Man wants to still know thoughts on talk with Nylander being moved in the summer. They're not going to talk about it. We're just going to either wake up and it happens, or they just won't do it. This seems to be the conventional wisdom right now when it comes to Toronto. They they tried to they talked to Kapanen and Janssen's agent before the deadline. The the word out was Kapanen was amenable to a bridge because he's only had one good year and he likes it in Toronto. Janssen didn't want to talk, his agent didn't want to talk until after the season. He's arbitration eligible. They may simply 
offer him arbitration. Now he can he can deny it, right? He can say no. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So if he if he does that, you know, if, if he, I mean, if he gets arbitration, then it's going to be a one year contract, maybe a two year contract at the at a, at a certain amount coming off a year where it looks like he's going to score over twenty goals. If they have to pay Kapanen and Janssen over three million, yeah. Uh, barring any bar, barring the retirement of of Patrick Marlowe, I I think they're either trading one of those two or they're trading Neilander. And I think with Neilander playing center this year now since Kadri got hurt, I think his value is going. He's starting to play the way Neilander played in the past, and he's proving that he can play center as well as the wings. So I don't think his value is going to be any higher than it, it is at a, at a cost certain amount for another five years. I agree. Uh, two more questions. Okay. BK asked what team has the best prospect pool, Philly, Vancouver, or the Islanders? I would say Philly. Philly. Uh, Philly's Philly. Morgan Frost is leading the Ontario hockey league in scoring. Yeah. I mean, look, if, even even if you were to still say that Pedersen's a prospect, they're still better than Vancouver Islanders would be second in that list. Yeah. Um, Matt Boss asked Russ, "What do you think of Madison Bowie as a wing fan? I hope he works out. I like Bowie. I think he um, he just sort of needed to needs to come into his own. He's got a physical nature to his game. He is a decent skater that could always get better, but I think it's good enough for the NHL." He's not a bad puck mover at all. He's a pretty good puck mover. He's not going to be an offensive guy, no. but he's going to be the kind of guy that, you know, if a puck's in the corner and it's you and him, you don't want to get plastered by him. I've seen him uh, yes. board some guys pretty hard. So I, I think you'll like Madison Bally, and I think he'll fit in really well for them. He's a four, five, or six. He's not a top three, but he's. He, I yeah. think he's good. He's, I saw him play in the AHL. And I, he can, he's a he's a physical defenseman. His offensive skills are not that not that great, but he's not terrible. So I think he'll be a good depth defenseman. And in yeah. what you know, when you trade Jensen, who was a UFA and probably wasn't going <laughs> to resign, that was that was a good deal for for Ken Holland. Uh, just to touch on uh, uh, Ted Lindsay, who passed away at the age of ninety three. Um, you know, people don't realize um, what he went through. Uh, in the NHL in the 50s, starting up the Players Association. I mean, this is a guy who, let's just say the owners were not too happy about what he was doing to the point that he was on the best line in hockey on a team that had won four Stanley Cups with the, with the Detroit Red Wings, and they yeah. traded him to the uh, to the outer limits, which was the Chicago Blackhawks, who at that point were a, really a crap team, as punishment for setting up the PA. So... You know, a lot of players uh, should be thankful for what Ted Lindsay did for for players uh, at that point and going forward. He had a lot of gumption. He really uh, was a gutsy guy. I interviewed him once as part of a radio show during the lockout, and he was, you know, giving a lot of wisdom at that point, and he had it, and it was interesting. And he was just an unflappable, like he knew exactly what, you know, should be done, could be done very decisive guy and and I even did write a, a piece about it was partially about Lindsay and it was also about some other players with the NHLPA in the early goings in the hockey news I'll see if I can pull that up maybe I'll find it tomorrow but there is there were some tidbits in there too and yeah he's just you know a bigger than life guy at this point 
and I know Bob McKenzie related uh, when he was talking about him on on the radio this morning. Something about you know he 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 had a rough calculation of how many stitches he had during his NHL career because he didn't wear a helmet yeah. and he didn't he didn't obviously didn't have any kind of face protection. And he said it was over six hundred. And apparently, during a there was a series, and I don't know what year it was, but there was a series between Detroit and Toronto, and this probably had to be in the fifties because that was when Toronto was uh, in between 51 and 62. They were sort of a wasteland. They didn't win any cups. Um, Lindsay and the Red Wings. Yeah. yeah, the Lindsay, Lindsay and the Red Wings go into Toronto for a deciding game of the series. And apparently someone in Toronto had issued death threats to him and Gordie Howe saying that they were going to be shot if they came on the ice. They went on the ice. They won the series. And Ted Lindsay goes out after the game, takes his stick, points it at the crowd like it's a gun and shoots back. <laughs> oh, that's the photo. Okay. That's crazy. Talk, yeah. talk about talk about having a talking about having sack. That is having yeah. sack. Yeah, I I I have a videotape of the 1950 Stanley Cup where the uh the Red Wings beat the Rangers and and so you could really see the uh the production line in that even though it's like choppy video, right? You get yeah. like 2 minutes at a time and then it chops off and then you get another four minutes and then it chops off it's not a complete game but i've watched it and there's some interesting things in there and you know i could at least gave me an appreciation for for lindsey because i never really did see him play i saw how play obviously i think harry lumley was the ranger goalie wasn't he <sighs> was it lumley i think it was i think because after that he got traded to toronto you think that's probably right i'm gonna have to look it up now well, i'm just i'm you know if i'm wrong i'm wrong okay, okay. yeah anyway all right, guys. Great show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello, and I think it was Harry Lumley. And thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.